Hi, welcome to Quick Post Quill. I'm Rin. And I'm Zach. And today we are talking about our National Novel Writing Month reflections and what we learned in NaNoWriMo 2023. I'm excited for this episode. This was, I can't remember which one was pitched this. I was like, this is going to be good for us to like look back on like learning, like crystallize what we learned. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm excited for this too. Yeah. Do, we should just dive right into it. Zach, do you want to go with your first reflection? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My biggest reflection from uh, Nano this past year was that fragmentation leads to freedom and fun. Um, in past years, I have felt really compelled to like keep working linearly on a project from like start to finish, where it's like I start at the beginning and then I, you know, keep moving along the plot train until I hit 50,000 words. But, you know, after the past year where we were talking about things like nonlinear drafting and those sorts of things, I realized, you know, I don't have to do that. I can totally change it. So I probably got something like 16,000 words into it. And then I realized I am totally stuck and I don't know where to go. Rather than spinning my wheels, I decided to, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to make a new thread. Like I'm going to go back in the timeline and I'm going to start another another branch in the timeline. And I want to explore, explore that. And as I was going, I was like, oh, you know what? I, I could use a little bit more clarification about the world building. So what I did is that I went and did some, some like free writes to examine those world building questions and then I realized that what I really wanted to do is I wanted to write a vignette so a vignette is just like a like it's a short story um so what I would do is that I would write these like these short stories about aspects of the world and how those came to be and that like guys it was magical it was so fun it was like it was so it was joyful to be able to get my daily word count. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that difficult to go and do that, which was really important because during the, there was one week in November where my sleep schedule guys, it was horrible. I like, I cannot describe to you how horrible it was. It was like four hours of sleep here, four hours of sleep there, three hours of sleep here, you know, six hours of sleep there. I didn't know what day was today, whether it was like, like, is it Tuesday? Is it Thursday? I have no clue. Like it was bad, but I was still able to do it. Um, and I credit a lot of that to the world building vignettes. That is so cool. I love that for you. Right. Yeah. And it, it provided some good material to throw up onto Patreon this year. So if you're interested in seeing those, go check out my Patreon. Definitely go check it out. I believe that's patreon.com slash DC Winters and Winters is with a Y. Yes, it is. Excellent. Go check that out, guys. Um, my first reflection is I did not walk the walk, even though I talked the talk. Like we were doing our prep episodes and we're like, you gotta prepare your life for National Novel Writing Month. Like, you don't just do NaNoWriMo, you just plan your life around it. And I didn't do that. Like, I let a lot of social stuff get in the way. Like, I was just dating a lot because I was in a mood where I just wanted to go hang out with people. And I got my 50,000 words. They were just also very fragmented, but not in, like, quiet. It doesn't feel like it was in a, as productive of a way as Zach's was, where it was like, ooh, now I have all these vignettes. I was like, oh, I'm panicking. I'm going to go write 500 words in a short story. 
that is totally unrelated to my main project, which is totally fine and good. Yeah. So it's a non-traditional nano, but about 32,000 words actually went into the main draft of my Studio Ghibli gender fluid Cinderella story that I was working on. Yes. Yes. I know. I'm so excited for that story to be done, but also I'm so burnt out on it right now because I did not like plan my NaNoWriMo well. So I'm like, it's kind of tainted right now with how stressed I got during November. Um, But that's okay. I'm going to go back to it probably. Well, eventually, I don't know exactly when. My next year is pretty booked with all my writing resolutions we're getting. Not one, but two books publication ready. If you missed our last week's episode, go check it out now where I talked about it there. Yeah. Yeah, but but projects never go away. They'll be there. Yes, exactly. There And there's so much time. We always have time. That's like a big life lesson I'm learning recently is that there's always so much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to do your second reflection? Oh, yeah. Um, telling isn't all bad. I know it's heresy, but let me let me walk you through this. Um, classic inviting and writing advice is correct in many situations, but not all situations. And I feel like the whole show don't tell is, you know, it's often a good place to start with your writing, but it can, it's not a good place to end with your writing. Um, telling is something that can be very powerful. And oftentimes it's what you need in order to manage pacing and also to, uh, also to tell certain kinds of stories. So for example, Adrian Tchaikovsky's Children of Time is heavy on telling and it is brilliant. Like, it's very, very difficult for you to tell. So Children of Time has two sets of stories that are both happening over the course of thousands of years. And you can't show thousands of years of events happening. So the telling is part of the narrative and it's great. And I was finding myself like naturally settling into modulating in between telling and showing as I was writing these, as I was writing these vignettes, and um, less so as I was working on the the rest of the project, um, and that you know it showed me that telling can be a powerful tool to have in your in your tool belt when you're working on um, when you're working on something. Uh, another example of a book that I actually just finished reading yesterday morning um, that does this really well is Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Um, The last third of the story alternates between like a showing kind of personal level of conflict and then the broader level of conflict told through telling. And that helps to keep the pacing moving forward and to keep the momentum so that it doesn't slog. Because there are a lot of like sieges, like castle sieges. And I know Red Rising is a... You know, it is a sci-fi book. Yes, there are castle sieges. You're just going to have to read it to find out. Um, it helps to kind of ease through those so that it's not long and slogging. So telling was one that was a big takeaway for me from Nano this past year. I love that. And one thing you said, you said telling is a good place to begin your novel and not a good place to end it. And that was like, that changed something in my brain chemistry. I'm going to remember that for a long time. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. One of my main 
things I learned was like I need a Goldilocks skeleton in the story because like and I say Goldilocks because you know too much too little just right yeah um, and if I have too much of an outline it feels like I've already told the story and that's something Stephen King talks about in like on writing like he is a big pantser because he's like if I outline that I've already told the story and it's not fun anymore and I'm like yeah, but if I have too little of an outline, I get stuck, especially when I'm on a deadline looming, and that also stressed me out. Like, I kept getting stuck, because I, like, was like, okay, I have, like, my three major plot points, but what happens in between the three major plot points of, like, these balls? Right, yes. So, I spent a lot of time just trying to figure that out, which also contributed to my fragmented nano that I already mentioned, because I was, like, spending like an hour instead of actually writing and putting words down, I was spending an hour figuring out what to write. But I still count that towards my nano time because I believe in being kind and generous to myself. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. And then I feel like our next reflections like match up with each other. Zach, let's do yours first. Yeah. I was thinking about I like this is something that I knew about myself, but this nano showed me like show what the limits of it are um i need a heart to the story so in two weeks we're going to be talking about um story genius which you know we read last year but because of scheduling things we're pushing the reflection to two weeks from now um and in that in that book it talks about the third rail so we're going to go into that a little bit but if i'm just giving the the quick and dirty right here I really struggle with cotton candy books. Um, these are the books that are, in the words of one of my old English teachers, all fluff and no stuff. And I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm not saying that you can't like them. I think that there are plenty of, you know, perfectly good candy books out there. And, that you know, they provide a really good reading experience for a lot of people. They're just not for me. Like, they're, I'm not their target audience. And I don't write any books. Like I want there to be some kind of commentary on the human condition or some kind of commentary on, you know, society or culture, you know, those sorts of things inside of my book. And if I don't have that, then I just feel like I'm just peddling and I'm peddling and I'm not going anywhere. Like, I don't know what the, you know, what the why is behind why things are happening and that was part of the reason why i needed to go back and you know start a new thread in the timeline was because i was thinking oh i really need to come back to that um to the heart of the story and that that really helped and similarly like i need a heart to the story and this year someone tried to tell me to change the heart of my story like i said i dated a lot during november it was it was a decision I made. But one of the guys I was dating, I was telling him, and I was trying to, like, talk through my block of that particular day. And he was like, oh, well, you should make your book into, like, a political thriller. Like, you didn't do any research on, like, how castle servants actually get to know everything because, like, the nobles ignore the the servants. And, like, he was just doing, like, all this, like, nonsense about you know, making a political intrigue and a, like, thriller and a drama. And I was like, that's not what my story is about. Like, this is a story Mm -hmm. about, like, trans joy. 
you know, it's a fun little Cinderella story. It's not about, like, this, it's not about the political subplot, because there is a political subplot, but, like, that's not the main plot. Yeah, it's the, it's the subplot. Exactly. But he was just kind of mean about it. He actually made me cry. <sighs> it. Like, it was bad. Oh, no. That's one of the reasons I I decided to stop seeing him, because he was just mean oh. about my writing. He, he felt bad about it later, to his credit, but I was just like, no. But the, the more I took away from that is, like, I realized I know my story best. And I need to not let other people, like, try and change it because, like, then it's going to ruin the heart of the story. Because as, like, the writers, we know the hearts of our story best, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes other people can help us uncover, like, a bit of the heart. Like, if you think of it, like, in Moana, the heart of Tafiti, Yeah. Like, that really emotional scene that always makes me cry at the end where Moana is, like, walking up to Taka. And it's like they have stolen the heart from inside you, but this does not define you. Yeah, and she helps Taka recover her heart and become defeaty again. Like other people can help you like discover and reclaim the heart, but they also can steal it. Yeah, and you need to not do that. And I'm very proud of that Moana metaphor I just made. That was totally off the top of my head. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. Okay, last reflections yeah my last reflection is that you can't do nano um november as a senior in college who's applying for graduate school was capital c crazy like it was crazy um but i did it like i mentioned the i mentioned the really weird sleep schedule thing i was um I was working at a astronomical observatory for four days, and that was why my sleep schedule was all out of whack. Um, there were classes to take and tests to take, and like all of these things, but I still, like, I still got it. Uh, and part of that is because I was willing to adapt. Right? I was willing to say, you know what? This isn't working for me. I'm going to try something else. Um, I'm going to make nano mine. And once I make nano mine, I can do it. And I think that's true for, I think that's true for everybody. For my wife, this was her first time participating in nano. And she decided for herself that nano for her was going to be writing every day. She was not shooting for the word count. She just wanted to write every day. And she did that. And nano worked for her because she she made it her own and she did it so i think that's my last takeaway is that you can do nano make it your own and then you can do it i just i think everybody can do it yeah i love that i 100 percent agree um we mentioned in the last episode that i was a municipal liaison for national novel writing month this year and let me tell you that was also another stress factor for my november like overall my november was very stressful Mm-hmm. But I made it through and like the being an ML was so much fun. Like I met so many people that I would not have met otherwise. Cause in the past when I do nano, I didn't go to the NaNoWriMo events, but then as the ML, I was in charge. I had to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Like there were so many great people, even if some of the attends were not well attended, like one event literally drew no one. Oh. And some of us only had one or two people. 
But on the days that we got lots of people, oh, it was a great time. Oh, so, fine. Final reflections, like, adapt Nano to what you need and also go connect with the community because even if you're not doing, like, traditional 50K Nano Rimo, like, it, people still want to support you and your goals. And that was something that we talked about at a lot of the events. People were like, oh, well, I'm not doing regular Nano, but here's how I'm making it work for me. And it was so cool to hear all that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, now I'm jealous and feel like I missed out, which I did. You but did. Also... I'm sorry. <laughs> um. Anyways, we want to hear how your NaNoWriMo went, if you did it. And if you didn't, um, are you going to do it next year? How can you make it work for you next year? And, like, can you start preparing now so you, like, get those habits in place and, like, you design your life better for NaNoWriMo than I did this year? Who knows? <laughs> Who could say? Probably yes. It would not be hard to do better than me this last year. <laughs> Let us know how you're not arriving. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Quid Pros Quo. Quid Pros Quo is hosted by DC Winters and CK Jensen. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a rating. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at quidprosquo at gmail.com. For more episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.